Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Pulled from the hottest topics coming across our news desk, I'm Alston Lloyd, and this is Housing Wire Daily. In today's episode, Robert Dietz, the Chief Economist and Senior Vice President of Economics and Housing Policy for the National Association of Home Builders, explains why the market share for single-family rentals is growing despite strong home buyer demand, and discusses the organization's latest housing market index that indicates home builder confidence is climbing across the nation. But before you listen, here's a brief word from our sponsor. Want to give your customers the streamlined mortgage experience they expect? Fannie Mae's digital mortgage solutions are fast, efficient, contactless, and they save paper. Our digital mortgage solutions provide efficiency for you, convenience for your customers, and deliver a great experience at every stage of the mortgage cycle. Own the mortgage experience with Fannie Mae's innovative solutions. Visit FannieMae.com slash go digital. Hello, Housing Wire listeners. Today, I'm joined with Robert Dietz, the Chief Economist and Senior Vice President of Economics and Housing Policy for the National Association of Home Builders. Thanks for joining us again on Housing Wire Daily, Robert. Yeah, it's great. Good to join you again. Really, thank you. Thank you. So, listeners, Robert has joined us to discuss the National Association of Home Builders' latest housing market index that indicates, despite supply chain disruptions, strong home buyer demand has boosted the confidence of home builders across the nation. So, Robert, the NHB report claims that during the month of October, builder sentiment in the market for newly built single-family homes moved four points higher to 80. This growth was attributed to strong consumer demand despite growing affordability challenges stemming from rising material prices and shortages. So for much of 2020 and 2021, the home building sector has faced its fair share of challenges, including the previously mentioned concerns relating to prices and material have these challenges moderated or declined during this year, or have they only worsened? It's, it's a little of both. Uh, if, if you think back to 2020, housing was clearly a, a bright spot for the economy. We saw an acceleration of, of housing demand. And of course, that all occurred in an environment uh, where we lack housing inventory and we're underbuilt. Uh, lumber was really kind of the, the first commodity in the supply chain that really indicated that we were going to face these issues that we see for the overall economy right now in terms of of lack of materials and and other kinds of uh, supply chain issues, which are, of course, an important part of the the inflation discussion. Lumber prices have come down. Uh, They were up above about $1,500 per thousand board feet. Right now, they're right around $550 per thousand board feet and headed a little bit higher. Um, So that's down. It's higher than where we started. uh, And that does represent a a supply chain type issue. What's gotten worse is the availability of just about every other kind of material. So windows, doors, flooring, appliances, uh, literally the kitchen sink uh, in in, in some cases. So uh, those those kinds of materials, they're they're more expensive. Uh, They're taking longer to arrive. So so buyers and and, and, uh, architects need to make design decisions earlier in the process. Uh, and unfortunately, I do think those supply chain issues are going to persist 
uh, well into uh, 2022. Uh, so we, we've got these supply chain issues, but housing demand remains solid. Uh, what we're watching right now is really the level of uh, final home pricing. All right. So to continue on that question, I want to focus on a quote you shared in the report. You say building material price increases and bottlenecks persist and interest rates are expected to rise in coming months as the Fed begins to taper its purchase of U.S. Treasuries and mortgage-backed debt. Policymakers must focus on fixing the broken supply chain. This will spur more construction and help ease upward pressure on home prices. So can you dive a little deeper on this? Uh, What do you think policymakers should have in mind when potentially creating legislation to uh, ease the housing shortage? You mentioned inflation a while ago. I know these are all things that are policymakers and um, economists are thinking about right now. Yeah, I mean, the, the policy environment is complicated right now because the, the Federal Reserve would like to remain in an accommodative policy stance where they don't have to increase interest rates faster than would otherwise be required. But they're mindful, of course, that their, their mandate is to try to maximize employment and, and minimize inflation pressures. Uh, so it's it's fiscal policy, it's, it's regulatory policy, other kinds of policies outside of the Federal Reserve where we can really get some help on the supply chain. So uh, within housing, well, let's go back to lumber. 90% of single family construction is, is wood framed. Uh, one way that we could uh, really see some policy help in, in the lumber market is a, a new softwood lumber agreement with Canada. Um, We are outside that the prior uh, agreement has expired. Uh, The result is that we now have about 9% tariffs on lumber. And unfortunately, in the coming months, actually coming weeks, uh, those tariffs are set to double. Uh, So so policymakers could could act to try to reduce the tariff burden, uh, get a new uh, uh, agreement with Canada, and that would certainly help on the lumber markets. Uh, And then I think we need to think more broadly about what it takes to to build housing. I think just about everyone agrees that we have a housing deficit. And of course, it takes labor and construction workers. Um, So so investing resources, perhaps as part of uh, infrastructure spending uh, into labor force development is a key way that we can help the housing market, not just the the for sale housing market, but the rental housing market as well in order to try to build uh, the apartments because multifamily construction is doing quite well uh, here in 2021. And then lastly, uh, regulatory policy, uh, whether at the local level in terms of zoning rules or at the national level in terms of rules that make it more expensive to develop land, things like the, the waters of the U.S. rule that uh, expand unnecessarily, in my opinion, uh, the, the amount of land that would be subject to a clean water permit and thus increased pricing. Regulatory policy is, is a key way that we essentially make housing more expensive than it needs to be in the United States. So those are all ways I think policymakers could really help the, the housing inventory picture. Mm-hmm. So so you touched on how we can make uh, the working environment even better for home builders or how we can improve the supply chain so they're able to build these homes, whether it be single family or multifamily. So I now want to focus on some other data mentioned in the report. According to the NHB, all three major HMI indices posted gains in October. The index gauging current sales conditions rose five points to 87. The component measuring sales expectations in the next six months posted a three-point gain to 84 and the gauge charting traffic of prospective buyers moved four points higher to 65. Um, all of these numbers indicate sentiment has improved for home builders. Can we discuss what factors at play? We've already mentioned demand as an indicator, but what else is contributing to this optimism? 
Yeah, so this is the, the monthly uh, builder confidence measure that NHB does with uh, Wells Fargo. I, I think you, you hit it well that, uh, uh, you know, if you look at the, the part of the index that was up the most, it, it was current sales. Uh, so this gets back to your prior question, which is that we, we know interest rates are, are headed higher. It's, it's, it's due to both market forces and an expectation of tightening monetary policy. So whether it's uh, uh, some of the new construction indicators like the HMI or even existing home sales, I do think we're seeing a, a bit of bringing forward some housing demand uh, for buyers that uh, want to get in the market and close a sales transaction uh, before interest rates uh, uh, you know, move higher uh, going into uh, 2022. And then, as we mentioned before, uh, the, the other factor that's really supporting a housing market is the ongoing lack of inventory. Uh, when the existing home inventory measure, uh, as indicated by the National Association of Realtors, is, is at less than a three-month supply, that is a critically low level of inventory, and it means that buyers, out of necessity, uh, are, are seeking out new construction as a, as a way of uh, getting into a single-family home and detaining home ownership. Mm-hmm. So now I want to discuss regional sentiment when it comes to getting these homeowners into homes. Um, according to NHB's data, looking at the three-month moving averages for regional HMI scores, the Midwest rose one point to sixty-nine. The Northeast held steady at seventy-two. The South and West each remained unchanged at eighty and eighty-three, respectively. So, why are the home-building sectors in the South and West outperforming the Midwest and Northeast? Um, I imagine there are, there are home builders and homeowners who are desperate to get into housing or build housing right now. So, why is the Midwest um, and Northeast uh, doing worse compared to the South and West? So the Midwest is interesting because it's a little complicated. There are definitely pockets of strength for new construction. Uh, Columbus, Ohio, Indianapolis, uh, Kansas City uh, were, were markets that showed 2020 gains. And, and you know, you know, those pockets of strength are generated by uh, how, relative housing affordability conditions. But, but generally speaking, the, the, the data reflect population growth trends. So the okay. South and the West tend to be the, the fastest growing areas. Uh, the South represents more than half of single-family home building. And in fact, if you look at the top 10 single-family home building markets, uh, all of them are in the South. If, if you count uh, Washington, D.C. as a, a Southern city, which is a little bit of a stretch. But yeah, it, it's a reflection of population growth trends. And the other interesting geographic factor that we see in the market right now is this suburban shift. Demand really did mm. shift out to lower cost markets. And uh, we think that's partially going to persist uh, over the next couple couple of years. See, that's what we're also seeing. Um, COVID and home buyer migration, which is a result of COVID, have a lot to do with um, uh, probably the trends that you're seeing in the South and West as well, too. That's right. All right. So, but before we wrap today, um, is there anything else you think our audience needs to know about the home building sector? Anything we need to look forward to or look out for? Yeah, great, great final question. We're, we're continuing to watch the single family built for rent sector. Uh, so it's important to keep in mind that, you know, about uh, 70% of uh, new construction is, is built for sale. Uh, there's a there's about a so maybe a little under 20% that's custom built, that's not sold, but is built as a construction contract. And the remainder, uh, we estimate probably about 7% of, uh, of new single family construction right now is built for rental purposes. And that market share is likely to go up because as housing affordability declines due to the really strong price growth that we've seen, uh, 20% year-over-year gains in new home prices, combined with an expectation of higher interest rates, there will be buyers priced out of the market. 
but they want a single family home. They want a front door. They want that suburban aesthetic. Uh, and that does create a market opportunity for single family rentals. So uh, that is a market over the next year and a half that's likely to expand. All right. So we'll keep our eye on it. I'm pretty sure Housing Wire will be reporting on that as well, too. And we'll probably utilize some of the data that you have as well. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks, listeners. Now, more than ever, the housing industry is looking to its leaders for answers. That's why each week, the Housing News Podcast invites a new mortgage, fintech, or real estate executive to the show to provide its listeners with more perspective on the announcements and news stories crossing Housing Wire's news desk. Hosted by Sarah Wheeler and produced by Elsina Lloyd, the Housing News Podcast is now available on iTunes, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. I hope you have a great afternoon. If you haven't already, make sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on all the hottest stories crossing our news desk daily. The podcast is now available wherever you like to listen. Make sure to tune in tomorrow.